0: It is so good to be with you this morning, to see new friends and old friends and everyone gathered together in one place. Um, it is you know, part of what it means to be a community pulled together by the love of God. And it is so fun to be here with you today and talk about one of my very favorite things, and that is worship. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you might remember. That We have talked about teaching and liturgy as part of worship, and today we are going to finish this series um, appropriately by talking about music as worship. And of course, this does make sense as we acknowledge and praise God for all that John and Mary Odom have invested in the music ministry of the church. And though I am no musician, one thing I do know is how important music is to worship, and sometimes even controversial. Over the years, I have heard, as I guess John has heard, many opinions about music in worship. You've never heard any opinions about, no. (laughs) What we should do, what we shouldn't do. I don't know any pastor who hasn't had those conversations. In fact, let me share with you a couple of letters which were received by a pastor about music in worship. The first goes like this. I am no music scholar, but I feel I know appropriate church music when I hear it. Last Sunday's new hymn, if you can call it that, sounded like a sentimental love ballad one would hear, expect to hear crooned in a saloon. If you insist on exposing us to this rubbish in God's house, don't be surprised if many of the faithful look for a new place to worship. The hymns we grew up with are all we need. Or how about this one? What is wrong with the inspiring hymns with which we grew up? When I go to church, it's to worship God, not to be distracted by learning a new hymn. And last Sunday's was particularly unnerving. The tune was unsingable, and the new harmonies were quite distorting. The first letter was written in 1863 about the hymn, Just As I Am. The second was written in 1890 about the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. (laughs) People have opinions, don't they? (laughs) But what's really fascinating is the passion behind those opinions. The powerful feelings that, that people have about music and worship and what speaks to them and what doesn't. It's funny, when I was researching this subject, I was looking into the biblical choir master named Asaph. Now, you may have never heard of Asaph. In the days when preachers' names were put on signs outside the church, I don't think Asaph's name made it up there very often. But Asaph is a big deal. In, In many ways, we are all children of Asaph. Let's take a look at Asaph and his job description, which we sort of find in First Chronicles chapter 16. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open to um, 16 verse 4 in First Chronicles, or you can follow along on the screen. Now listen to the word of the Lord. He, meaning David, appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to extol, thank, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and next to him in rank were Zechariah, then Jahaziel, Hamariah. See, I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to butcher these names. I'm just going to tell you right now. Shemariath, Jehiel, Mattatiah, Eliab, Benaniah, Obed-Edom, and Jehiel. They were to play lyres and harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah and Jahaziel were, uh, the priests were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. That day, David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Different things speak to different people, and maybe in different times. Did you notice what instrument the chief of the musicians played? The cymbals. I had a couple of people offer to come play the cymbals this morning. (laughs) It it, it seems like the, the worship team back in those days was like guitars, trumpets, and cymbals. It's not exactly what we would think of when we think about worship music. And it is King David, a man after God's own heart, who appoints some of the Levites, some of the priests, to manage the music. And the Bible tells us what direction they were to aim the music. The music was to extol, thank, and praise the Lord God of Israel. And then it gets more specific. i read to you again. It says, give praise to the Lord proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, look to the Lord in his strength, seek his face always. Now, this section runs on for about another 20 verses or so, but you can see a lot about the purpose of music in these few verses because we get direction, right? Praise, proclaim, make known among the nations what God has done, and then it tells us how by singing to him. Singing what? Praise to him. And in the singing, tell of all God's wonderful acts. Now the result of all that is that we are drawn into the glory of God, to glory in his holy name that our hearts should rejoice, that we should be looking to the Lord in his strength and seeking him always. This is what music and worship is supposed to do and this is what a great music director does present company included they bring us in the direction of the Lord they give us an opportunity to sing proclaim and announce the goodness and power of God and honestly that is one thing I think Evergreen does remarkably well and though I know John doesn't want credit for it His effort, over the years, has created a culture where we sing. And we sing pretty well. I noticed it the first Sunday that I was here, and I was so grateful for it. I've been in churches where people would just not sing, which I understand in in some sense. People, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I know many people have been told, you can't sing. You're laughing because somebody said that to you. Or you... (laughs) Or somebody made fun of you because you sang off-key. And when that happens, and for a lot of us it happens as kids, we become mute when it comes to music. But melody and song are the gift of God to every person. And they are the gift of, to God of every person. See, everyone here can sing. Every one of you can sing. Maybe not like a professional singer. You might hit a clunker every once in a while, but it doesn't matter. Because, believe me when I say, singing makes all the difference. It makes all the difference in the quality of our worship, both corporately for all of us who are gathered together, but also for you individually. Music and song connects us together and to God. Carl Barth, who was a a reasonably modern theologian, had this to say about singing in church. Bart wrote, the Christian church sings. It is not a choral society. Its singing is not a concert. But from inner material necessity, it sings. Singing is the highest form of human expression. What we can and must say quite confidently is the church which does not sing is not the church. And where it does not sing but sighs and mumbles spasmodically, shamefacedly, and with an ill grace, it can be at best only a troubled community which is not sure of its cause. And of whose ministry and witness there can be no great expectation. The praise of God which finds its concrete culmination in the singing of the community is one of the indispensable forms of ministry in the church. I couldn't agree more. If you have received the, the good news that the kingdom of heaven is here, if the Holy Spirit has worked in you so that you have discerned God's goodness is on the move, that God is so determined to bring about the restoration and salvation of his people and the world, of all creation, that is, he had his own son die and bleed on a cross, then how can you not? Sing! How can you not join with all creation in proclaiming and sometimes straining and looking for the completion of what the Lord has started? I mean, music connects us in ways that nothing else does. If you've ever sung in a choir, if you've ever played in a band, if you've ever taken part in a musical production, maybe even in high school or elementary you know there is nothing quite like the community which is built up through music and song. Music connects us to each other at a level which is very hard to describe. And the same thing happens when a congregation sings together. It creates a a unity and when it is, when congregational singing is well done, and, and I don't mean that the tune we sing is perfect. What I mean is is that We sing with with hearts and spirits aligned. The presence of God is indisputably among us. But music might just connect us in another way as well. All through the Bible, literally from the beginning of creation, all the way to the throne of God in the book of Revelation, you find music and song. Toward the end of the book of Job, God is speaking with Job, and God asks Job whether he was there when when God created the world. And the the phrase that that God uses there, says, when the stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Then in the book of Revelation, the elders are gathered around the throne of God, and they sing a new song about the Lamb, how the Lamb is able to do what no one else could do, That because of his blood, he has purchased people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And so, all through scripture, there is tune and there is song reverberating through all the world. But there might be even more to it. I once heard someone give a lecture about string theory. Now, some of you have never heard of string theory, and I understand that. And my explanation of string theory is going to be woefully inadequate. I will warn you now. But the idea of string theory is that underneath everything, underneath atoms and electrons which make up the universe, there are these subatomic particles which are made up of these very tiny strings vibrating at a certain frequency. In other words, the the atoms which make up the universe are made up of something smaller, and these smaller, string-like particles are, are vibrating at a certain frequency. They make up everything we see, everything we experience, including ourselves. Now, what is interesting is how music, at a fundamental level, is nothing more than frequencies gathered together and organized in pleasing ways. This speaker said, and I still think it's provocative. The speaker said, well, if the world is held together by vibration at a certain frequency, what if when God spoke the universe into being, that what he was actually doing was singing the universe into being? What if what we take as poetic language from Job, for example, Was a little more literal than we think. What if the universe was not only brought into being, but also held together by a song? A song sung into the darkness and the void by God long ago. A song whose refrain still echoes into the present, and in then into all eternity. I don't know if that's right, but it sure ticks some boxes for me. It explains why we feel music at such a deep level. It explains why singing and music are important, not just for us, but for God. It explains why people become so passionate about music and worship Could it be that at a very deep level we all have a song? And when we sing, that we are not only deeply expressing who we are and how we are made, but at a fundamental level we are also expressing who it is that holds us together. Held together by the creative vision and goodness of God who started the song. And when we sing, when we join our voices with his, just as the old hymn says, all creation sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. Though we are going to take time in the lunch which is coming up, John and Mary, we are so grateful to you for everything that you have invested in the life of this church, how you have created music among, community among the choir, how you have led us and taught us and sometimes patiently endured us, (laughs) and most of all, loved us. I think the thing that I am most grateful for, and I can say this without any doubt, the music has never been about you it's always been about the Lord. Now that I have made you teary, I'm going to ask John and Terry to sing. <laughs> 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 Which is impossible. But um, we love you so much. Um, we can't wait to celebrate with you at lunch. I hope that you all will stay. Um, because, you know, you know, you can change your mind any time. We we will keep you, but I know. So, would you please...